Today I want to share with you part 12 of our series from the, the book of Ephesians called People of the Kingdom. And today and the next week we're going to finish up this series, but today we're going to move into the last chapter of Ephesians. And as you know, throughout the book of Ephesians, God calls you and me, the people of his kingdom, to live in unity. That's kind of the whole theme, be in unity, love one another, love God, love each other, live together in unity. And last week we learned how husbands and wives can experience unity. And this week at the beginning of chapter 6, God is going to be telling us how parents and children, how employees and employers can also experience unity. The bottom line as we begin is this, obedient people experience unity in their relationships. If we'll become the people of God who will say, I am willing to humble myself in every relationship. I'm not the person who has to be always rigid and right to have all the answers. But if I'm willing to humble myself and bow down before God and surrender and say, I don't have all the answers. I don't always have to be right. And we become obedient and submissive and working towards unity. Then we can have unity in all of our relationships. You see, if we obey God's word, and if we obey those who are in authority over us, our relationships will be right. They will be right with each other, with our spouse. They'll be right with our children and those that we work with, those that we work for. As we obey and even serve those that are in authority over us, the result is always unity. Let's listen to God's word in your Bible or on the screen. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves. Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. First, God says children are to obey their parents. Write it down. Children are to obey their parents. And all of God's parents said, amen. That's what we like to hear. Now, we live in a time when tons of books have been written about parent-child relationships. And in a lot of those books, you're taught that you should not ever pressure a child to obey because it, it might damage them in some way. And so parents are, are left with nothing but trying to, to reason with their kids to do right, to try to coach their kids to obey, or, or, or to try to bribe their kids to obey. So when Paul says, children, obey your parents... Next to all these books that have been written, it sounds so simplistic. It sounds even a little bit old-fashioned. 
But God is telling both children and parents that it is just as simple as that. If you want to bring unity into your home, if you want to bring unity into your parent-child relationships, it's just that simple. Children, obey your parents. Unity comes through obedience. But then the scripture goes on and God tells why children are to obey. Write this down. Children are to obey because God says it is right. That is the way I've set up the household, the order. That's the way I've caused things to work. The Bible says, children, obey your parents, for this is right. God is saying every child is to obey parents, the parents that he has given them. Whether it's a biological parent, whether it's a foster parent, whether it's an adoptive parent, doesn't matter. God is saying, children, obey your parents, for this is right. This is right in my sight. God of of the universe, God who created you, this is what I call right and good. Now notice, he didn't say, parents, obey your children. (laughs) But sometimes our kids want us to obey them. But God said, children, obey your parents. This is right, period. No discussion, no argument. God says, obey. But I want to talk to some students, some kids here today. Even when your parents don't listen the way you would like for them to listen. Even when they don't seem to understand what you are saying. Even when you don't think they get it. And probably half the time they don't get it. Even though their rules and restrictions and boundaries seem way over the top to you. You are to obey your parents. Second, students, as Christian students, as ones who are in the Lord, as ones who are living with parents who are in the Lord, you are to obey unless your parents are operating outside of the ways of the Lord. God says, my people, the people of my kingdom, those who are in me, are to obey their parents unless those parents are telling you to do something that is sinful, that is outside my boundaries and my word. Now, some of you parents have done everything that you know to do as a parent. And yet, your children have rebelled against you and maybe even God. You've done your best to follow God yourself. You've done your best to lead your children to God. And yet, for some reason, they have chosen to disobey you and God. To you parents, I want to say two things. When it comes to beating yourself up for some of your parenting failures, and we all fail, let's be honest, right, parents, once in a while? No parent ever fails but me? All right, just checking. When it comes to beating yourself up for parenting failures, I believe God sent me here this morning to say this to you, stop it. Just stop beating yourself up. And secondly, when it comes to praying for your children, never stop it. Never stop it. You keep praying for them. You keep believing in them. Our God loves your kids no matter if they're rebelling or not. He loves them. He created them. He wants to redeem them. He's wooing them. So you never stop praying for them. Don't beat yourself up. Pray. Gandhi was a man that we all kind of grew up hearing about in history. 
Mahatma Gandhi. He's known for modeling his high ethical standards after our own Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hindu man. But he so respected the way Jesus lived that he modeled his life after Jesus. And he's been looked to as a man to model our lives after. And yet Gandhi's son became an alcoholic. Despite his father's example, he became an alcoholic. He went from one sexual affair to another. He disgraced his father by writing articles in the local newspapers, condemning and attacking his own father. And at the end of those articles, he signed his name, Abdullah, which was not a Hindu name, but a Muslim name. Through his conversion from Hinduism to Islam, through his drunkenness, and through his adulterous affairs, he did everything he could to hurt the name and the character of this respected man, Gandhi. Folks, even great people with great character, whether they are Christians or not, can have a child that refuses to obey his or her parents. If you are the parent of a rebellious child, stop beating yourself up over the past, but never, never, ever stop praying for your child's future. And all of God's people said, amen. Next, children are to obey their parents not only because it's right, but because it's commanded by God. It's commanded. Look at this. The Bible says, obey your parents to the Lord for this is right. And then here's the command. Honor your father and mother. God lets us know that his plan for children and parents has never changed. Because right here in the New Testament, he pulls from the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament. And he pulls over the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments. And he says, honor your father and your mother. This is God's command, kids. Honor them. How do you honor your father and mother? Obedience. How do you dishonor them? Disobedience. Dishonor is shown when when you are disrespectful to a parent with your language or with your behavior. It's when you are disinterested in your parents' lives. It's all about you, me, 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 me. But you never care about what mom and dad is struggling with, what mom and dad's going through. Dishonor is shown when you are disengaged from the family activities. Mom and dad do the best they can do to, to throw some great family activity, and there you are. Head down, texting your friends. Totally disengaged. Dishonor is shown when when you're discourteous, even though your parents continue to be courteous to you. Dishonor is shown when you're disobedient to the parents' rules and desires and boundaries. But honor is being shown when you're respectful to your parents with your language and your behavior. Even when inside you don't want to be. Honor is shown when you are interested in your parents' lives. Honor is shown when you are engaged in family activities. You're actually present and participating. Honor is shown when you're courteous. When you're obedient to their rules and boundaries. When you'd rather not be, but you choose to be. God not only commands that children obey their parents, but that they honor their parents. Kids, that's a command from God to you. Obey, honor. Next, children are to obey their parents because it's accompanied with a promise. And listen, students, this is a a promise that you want. 
The Bible says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Here it is. So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, we all got parents, right? Whether we're adults or kids. Anybody want things to go well with you here on earth? (laughs) Only one or two? Okay. Anybody want to enjoy a long life? I want to ski past 70. Anybody else? I want to wakeboard and ski past 70 or something. I want a long life. Wow, 70 is not that far from me. <laughs> we, we want things to go well. We want to enjoy a long life. And this is God's promise to all children. And we're all children who obey and honor their parents. So if things aren't going well for you, check out your relationship with your parents. The question is, how is your relationship with mom and dad? This next one doesn't apply if if you're an adult, but if you're a student, are you obeying your parents? This one does apply even if we're adult kids. Are you still today honoring your parents? Does your relationship with your parents need to be healed? Do you need to ask forgiveness from your parents? Do you need to change your attitude toward mom and dad? Things going well in your life, listen, starts not with them changing. It starts with you. Obeying God's command to obey and honor your parents. And then next, children are to obey their parents because it is the parents' job to instruct them. You know, God has given the job of instructing children to parents. That's how God set it up. The Bible says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So it's just this simple. Children are commanded to obey. Parents are commanded to instruct, to coach to teach, to train. It's just that simple. Students, your parents have been given to you by God to instruct you, to be a life coach for you. You may think that they don't get it, but they've been through some of the same stuff that you're going through right now. And they've been given to you by God to help you miss some of the things that they fell into. And all God's parents said, Amen. To help you avoid some of the traps that they got caught into. And they don't want to fail you. They don't want to fail God who commanded them to instruct you. So they're going to instruct you. That's their God-given job. And every one of us needs instruction. One man wrote, our youth today love luxury. They have bad manners. They have contempt for authority. They have disrespect for older people. Children today are tyrants. They contradict their parents. They gobble their food. And they tyrannize their teachers. Sound familiar? That was written by a 5th century B.C. before Christ philosopher. Before Jesus Christ ever came on the scene, a guy wrote that. You see, children have always needed instruction. I did. 
My mom will be very honest with you. And she will tell you the only reason Larry learned to play the piano is because she had me spend hours upon hours sitting on the piano bench. That was my time out space. I was so mouthy. She'd say, Larry, you go sit at the piano. And I got so bored, I learned to play. <laughs> I was so mouthy, God was getting me ready for this. You see? <laughs> But I needed instruction. I needed to learn when to be still. We're all born with the sinful nature. And we all need training and instruction in the Lord. One author says this. If parents do the work of instructing and training their children in the ways of the Lord and in the word of the Lord, then God can do a great work in the lives of those children. God can work within them to draw them to himself and into an eternal relationship with himself. When the dominant input that they have received in their growing up years has been in the ways of the Lord, God then has something to work with. So parents, the question is, are you training your kids in the ways of the Lord or in the ways of the world? The question is, what are you doing to instruct your kids in the ways of the Lord? Are you ever reading God's word with them? Are you ever talking about what it means around the dinner table to be a follower of Christ? As an individual, as a a family? Are, Are you talking about God's boundaries for his people? His protective boundaries? Are you talking about the fruit that God wants to see come forth out of a follower of Christ's life? Peace, joy, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Are you talking about those things? Are you sharing with them the times when when you struggle, but God has helped you through to build their faith? Are you praying with them? Are you praying for them? Are you praying God's blessing on them? Are you putting your hand on their shoulder or their head and blessing them in the name of Jesus? Are you taking them to where they can go help serve others who are needy? Are you demonstrating generosity by them watching you write out a check and and give to God's work? Are they seeing you be a faithful giver to God? Are you demonstrating the importance of worshiping the Lord? That you're here most every week, unless you're sick or on vacation, you're here to worship God. And do they sense when there's times to to pray and times to sing that you're engaged, you're not looking at the clock, you're not counting how many chandeliers are on the ceiling? Are they seeing that you really worship God? What are you doing to instruct your kids in the ways of the Lord? Whatever you are doing, I want to say this to you. The best moments of your instruction have nothing to do when you're speaking. They're when you're simply demonstrating loving and following God first. And foremost in your life. Your kids see that. They they catch that. But listen close. Your instruction should never become so intense. That the Bible says that you exasperate your children. The Bible says fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Have you ever as a parent been guilty of exasperating your children? Come on parents get honest. I have. Have you ever provoked them to anger? Have you ever discouraged them with petty nagging after nagging after nagging? 
discourage them by picking, nitpicking at their work until they exploded in anger, ran out of the room, slammed the door, burst into tears. I have. I've done that more times than, than I care to even count. When our kids were growing up, Shirley and I, we got so upset picking at them all week long about keeping their rooms clean. We kind of like things to be clean and in order. That's just who we are. We got so tired of picking, up, picking at them that we came up with a family plan called Saturday Clean. That meant that if our kids wanted to live in a mess all week long, they could just live in that mess if they wanted to. But when Saturday came, it had to be clean. But Saturday clean meant it had to be mom and dad clean. That means that means that mom could do the white glove treatment. It had to be mom and dad clean. And so they knew what was expected. They knew when it had to be finished. And most of the time, I want to say, they did a great job. But there were those times when I walked into a bedroom that was supposed to be ready for the Saturday clean check. And upon entering that room, I was certain I need to rush one of my kids to the eye doctor. They, they must have been struck with temporary blindness or something. It was still a mess. And those kind of times were easy for me to deal with. I simply said, you get back in here and you get with it. This is not Saturday clean. And when they were really younger, I knew they were struggling. So I'd kind of join them and help them in the process. But then there were those times when they did a really great job. They, they vacuumed. They dusted, they, they picked things up. It, it, it looked pretty good. Might have been a, a, a stray sock under the bed or a bar, Barbie not in a case or, or a drawer left a little bit open. But for the most part, they did a pretty good job. And, and it was during those times that, that I struggled the most, that I didn't do so well. Because I said in my spirit, they know what Saturday clean is. They know what we expect this is supposed to be done right and really good before they say, Mom, Dad, Saturday clean. And I think I was right in trying to teach them that whatever job they have, they need to work hard, they need to do it well, they need to do it right. But where I went wrong, I was so wrong when I picked at the two or three things they left out but didn't praise them for the 97 things they put away. And as a dad, I picked at them and I provoked them to anger. And I should not have done that. I should have praised them for the pretty good job they did. A poem written a long time ago says, Which parent will I be? I got two A's, a small boy cried. His voice was filled with glee. His father very bluntly asked, Why didn't you get three? Mom, I got the dishes done, the girl called from the door. Her mother very calmly said, Well, did you sweep the floor? I mowed the grass, the tall boy said, and put the mower away. His father asked him with a shrug, did you clean off all the clay? Now the children in the house next door seemed happy and content. The same thing happened over there, and this is how it went. I got two A's, the small boy cried. His voice was filled with glee. The father proudly said, that's great, son. I'm glad you belong to me. Mom, I got the dishes done, the girl called from the door. Her mother smiled and softly said, each day I love you more. I mowed the grass, this tall boy said, and put the mower away. His father answered with much joy, you've made this a happy day. Children deserve a little praise for the task they're asked to do. If they're to lead a happy life, so much depends on you.
And all of God's people said, Amen. In the book of Colossians, the same verse in Ephesians is, is also shared there, but it says it this way, Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. The truth is, where there's no training, where there's no instruction, obedience never comes. But parents, don't take that instruction too far. And always remember to give them praise. First, God says in this scripture, children are to obey their parents. And the result, listen, is unity. It's unity. Students, as you become humble and obey your parents, even when everything within inside of you is saying no, if you'll humble yourself, the result will be unity in your relationship. And then God moves from the home to the workplace and says employees are to obey their employers. Nobody wants to hear this, amen? <laughs> you are to obey whoever you work for and whoever has direct authority over you. And listen, whether or not you like it, that is what God says to us. Now, when this was written, there were masters and slaves. And the language that's used here in Scripture is masters and slaves. It's never changed. I looked through about every translation you could look through, and they all kept masters and slaves. And I think that's because in this language, it makes God's point even more powerful. You see, slaves, they weren't even getting a paycheck like you get. Slaves weren't getting any health benefits like, like you and I get. Slaves had little or nothing that they could ever call their own. And yet God said to the slaves, obey your masters. You're not getting anything out of this. You, you got to work. You got to do everything they say. But you don't get spit. Nothing. And so here's we today. We get stuff. And God says, obey your masters, those in authority over you. Now the Bible says, look at this. Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. So unless your employer is asking you to do something that's morally wrong, ethically wrong, spiritually wrong, obey them. In fact, write this down. Serve them just like you'd serve Christ. Just like you'd serve Jesus. Now once again, the Bible says, obey them with respect and fear and sincerity of heart. Just as you would obey Christ. Serve them with respect. That means no grumbling behind their backs. That means no tearing them down with co-workers at lunch breaks. You're not dumping on them. You're, you're respecting them. You may not agree with them, but you respect them. Because God has put you under the authority of them. Serve them with with fear, the Bible says, and that's really not talking about a frightful fear. It's talking about kind of a reverential fear. God has placed them over you for some reason. And so you kind of reverence them. You give reverence. God created them. God loves them. God desires to redeem them. God has placed you under the authority of them. So reverence them. Respect them, whether they treat you right or wrong. You may not work for them forever. But while you are there, respect and reverence them. And then the Bible goes a step further and says, and then serve them with a sincere heart. That means do all you can to please them, to bless them, to honor them. 
to even help them succeed. Sincerely from your heart, help them succeed. And then the Bible takes it a step further and says, serve wholeheartedly. Serve wholeheartedly. Serve your employer as if he was Jesus. And I know some of you are saying, wow, that's a stretch, Larry. You don't know my employer. That's a stretch. But serve them like Jesus. When when you're living close to Jesus yourself and you're serving your employer wholeheartedly, like you would serve your Lord Jesus instead of serving an earthly boss? Listen, everybody wins. Your boss wins. You win. You you win the approval of your employer. You, You keep your job. God wins because you're being the kind of example that God can use to draw your employer to himself. Everybody wins. Your influence you influence your employer, your company, your co-workers, even your clients when you serve wholeheartedly. Look at this. The Bible says, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. So the question is, how, do you take, how far do you go with this serving wholeheartedly? How far do you take that? And I would say, do your job and then some. Maybe you write that down. And then some. When you serve wholeheartedly, you do what's expected of you and then some. As a Christian person, serve better than most. Give more than most in the company give. Have higher standards than others. And you serve like this all the time, not just when the boss is watching you. Whether he or she is there or not, you're serving wholeheartedly. You're not trying to win your boss's favor. You're not trying to impress your employer. You're trying to impress the one who sees everything, who's watching you at all times. You're trying to impress your God as you obey his command to serve and obey your employer. You want God to approve of your work. So you're really working for Him. Amen? Oh, come on. Amen? We get so earthly minded. But if you obey God and you work for God and you do your best for God for whatever you do, God's going to honor you. God's going to give you the raises you need. God's going to provide for you. It's not impressing your employer so they just go, oh, here, take it all. It's not it. You obey God, and God will take care of you. Serve wholeheartedly, and then some. And next, write this down. Serve knowing that there's a reward. Serve knowing that God will reward you for your obedience to His Word and your wholehearted service. The Bible says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are Slave or free. Now we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us what all the rewards will be. But we know that one of them will certainly be when the Lord says to us, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and enter and enjoy your master's happiness. God will reward you. And last this morning, 
serve knowing that God shows no favoritism. The Bible says, and masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. To God, employee and employer are all the same. Both the same. He's master of both. God shows no favoritism, no preference, no bias. Employees are to serve their employers. But employers are also to serve their employees. That's called servant leadership. And if you're a Christian and you've been in God's word, you know what servant leadership is about. It's like Jesus. You're the leader, but you serve others. You come alongside and you serve them. And so you lead by serving. Employers also are to serve the employees as if they're serving Christ. And when they do, they're going to get the same reward that God promises. Now, many of you work for an employer who's not a follower of God. You work for somebody who's not a Christian at all. And so you may not receive this kind of servant leadership from your employer. But that doesn't let you off the hook to obey your employer. You obey God. You obey your employer and God will reward you. And the beautiful part about that, God will use you and your influence and your example to draw your employer closer to God himself. In this scripture, God says children are to obey their parents and employees are to obey their employers. And listen, when that happens, the result is unity. And so you've got a choice to make. When it's time to obey, you can either stiffen your neck and get rigid and rebellious. And that's just going to cause all kinds of problems. Or you can bow down. And you can surrender. Unless it's immoral or wrong, sinful. You can surrender. And the result is going to be unity in that relationship. Folks, if you want unity in your home, if you want unity between each other in this church, if you want unity at work, become obedient people. Obedient people. Now listen close as I, as I close. If, if you're being disobedient to somebody in authority over you, if you are not honoring your parents, if, if you are the one causing a relationship to be strained or broken, now is the time. This moment is the time for you to decide to make it right. Use this moment to get right with God. And then go out and make your relationships right. Choose to obey God's word this morning. And leave here committed to obey. Would you bow your heads with me? If God has spoken to your heart. and If you know that there's a relationship that's not right. If you're not being obedient to this portion of God's word, would you pray this prayer in your heart? As I pray it, you pray it in your heart. Father, forgive me for all those times and I've had a rebellious spirit. Forgive me for not obeying and not serving those you put in authority over me. Today, I've decided to make my relationships right. I want unity in my home, at work, school and here at church so Lord Jesus I ask for you to replace 
my rebellious spirit with an obedient spirit. Empower me to change starting right now. If you prayed that prayer and meant it sincerely in your heart, you're struggling. If you want me to just to lift you up in prayer this week, would you just lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. Okay, just lift your hand, okay? All right, put them down. Father, change us. I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.